And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. at Edible Gardening, we are joined this evening by author, speaker, and blogger, Emma Biggs, to talk about everything about tomatoes. So I'm really excited that we get to do a deep dive on tomatoes with Emma. So if you have a question on how you can grow your tomatoes or are looking for something cool and exciting to grow, ask Emma. Send your send you send her your questions oh boy today send her your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com so a little bit about emma emma biggs is a 16 year old gardener author speaker and blogger her passion is growing tomatoes trying new unusual crops and saving seeds she has raised over 150 uh, tomato varieties in her toronto garden and loves to try weird and wonderful plant projects Emma gives talks at libraries, seed exchanges, garden clubs, and garden events. And she's the co-host of the Food Gardening Life Show right here on Reality Radio. Um, and her latest book is Gardening with Emma. Find Emma at emmabiggs.ca or on Instagram. So welcome to the show, Emma. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I'm, you know, no better person to speak about tomatoes. And I just think it's great that you have such a passion for them. Yeah, I mean, I really love them and I'm excited that I just get to talk about what I love today. Excellent, excellent. Now, do you start all of your tomatoes by seed? Pretty much all of them. So I go on a crazy okay. seed shopping journey in early spring and I go through all the catalogs and all the online stores and order a whole bunch of fun varieties. And then I grow all those from seed, except sometimes I get a few transplants from people, but for the most part, they're all grown by me. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. You would think because you've been doing it a while now, even though you're 16, you've been doing it. Have you, it, there's still some out there that you haven't grown? Oh, there's so many out there that I haven't grown. The The past couple of days, I've actually started a spreadsheet and I'm going to try to keep track of all the tomato seed that I accumulate. I'm at about almost 400 packs of seeds, maybe half that many varieties. Okay. And But there's tens of thousands of tomato varieties out there. So I have a long ways to go before I grow them all. That is incredible. How do you decide, you know, so if you get a new pack of seeds, are you just growing like a cell pack of each variety? Do you have a kind of like a system? Yeah, so that's the hard part is now I have all these tomato varieties and I have to decide, okay, which ones can I grow? Because I can only fit maybe 80 or 90 varieties in my backyard, which is a lot, but not nearly as many as mm -hmm. I want to grow. So over the next That's couple right. days, I'm going to figure out which varieties. And then it's usually a couple cell packs per variety. And that's because I also okay. sell tomato seedlings. So I need a few more plants than I actually grow myself. But it ends up being a lot of tomato plants. Yeah, a lot. And uh, well, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about um, your recommendations for seed starting tomatoes? Yeah, so my first tip would be about choosing varieties. So there are so many okay. tomato varieties out there and they're all so different. So my first tip would be choose varieties that are going to do well in your garden. So if you're growing in containers, maybe think about choosing a dwarf variety. So one that stays a lot more compact and you don't have to prune. It'll do better in containers than some other tomatoes. If you have a lot of space, you know, maybe you do want to grow an indeterminate tomatoes. 
Uh, but remember that you might have to do a bit more pruning. If you don't like pruning, then maybe you should stick with a micro dwarf or dwarf variety. And so once you've cho chosen a growth habit that you want, think about what do you like in a tomato? So do you prefer cherry tomatoes? Do you prefer beefsteak tomatoes? I think there's a ton of really great colorful tomatoes out there. So if you want to give purple tomatoes or yellow tomatoes or brown tomatoes a try, I'd highly encourage that too. Go for something that's new to you. And then once you have your seed, you got to start it inside about six to eight weeks before your average last frost date. So here in Toronto, that's actually this week is mm -hmm. eight weeks. And so I'm excited. I'm going to be doing some planting, which is this week during my March break, which is really perfect because I can just perfect sit down and all day, just sit there and plant tomatoes. What a dream and come true. Yeah. And that's perfect timing for today's show too. I could have planned it any better for you to be on March break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Wow. So you're right. Between the types, the varieties of tomatoes and the types of fruit, you know, it is a, it is a big, it is a big um, plan, like coming up with a plan and uh, there's a tomato for everybody. There really is. There are so many out there. So when you're choosing, make sure to go and read through the descriptions from a whole bunch of different seed companies. Uh, go on social media and see what different people have grown, what they recommend, what they think of them. Ask your friends. And I think after you do that, you can come down to a pretty good list of varieties that will do well mm -hmm. for you. Okay. And so do you do it in um, an individual? Do you start the seeds in cell packs or do you start them in like the bigger seed trays? Yeah, I start mine in plug trays because I'm growing so many seedlings. Mm -hmm. I just don't have space for that many pots. Right. So I start them in the plug trays. And then after about a month, I transplant them into bigger three-inch square pots. Okay. Okay. And grow lights? Yep. Yes. So our, in our basement, we have a whole lighting setup that my dad actually I'm built when he I'm was... Sure. <laughs> a while ago and so we use that and you know by the time may comes it's just packed with seedlings and it's so full of plants down there and i'm really excited for you know the time of year when that happens again mm -hmm. yes and we talked a bit about um i had julia demacus on the show last week and we talked about herbs so we did a kind of a deep dive on herbs and we talked about the importance so if our listeners missed it and missed that show um we talked about why grow lights are so important that even though you might have a sunny window you might think you're getting a lot of light it really isn't enough you mean our, our number of even past daylight savings time now that we the clocks went back we still don't have we still have shorter days the sun is still not in the sky as as far as as high as it normally is in the summer and just you lose light through the window right um so it is better to and there's so many grow lights have come a long way haven't they i am sure your dad's got quite an extensive system and i've got like a little rinky ding system i do need to get one Ours more, is more uh, like yours it's uh yeah. we have just have shop lights okay it's not fancy right. but you know what it works and when we have so many seedlings it does the trick yeah perfect okay yeah i just have one of those one of them but it, with the, like the little overhead light and one bulb and now i need to get a second one because i'm going to do a second shelf this year we'll see um, okay. but uh yeah so i i just want our listeners to realize that that it really is worth it and and grow lights have come a long way like you said shop lights um the big box stores are carrying a variety of different tech uh, uh tricks and and different things that they they have available and i think because so many people are, are interested in it, they've caught on, right? So there's a lot yeah. more choice than there used to be. 
Yeah, well, we just have shop lights and you know what they do the trick. If you don't want to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on expensive lights, I think that that's what you should go with. Um, but okay. at the same time, I have been bugging dad for a light upgrade for a while. So ah. maybe that'll happen. But you can actually, you can really see the difference when your seedlings have good light, you can tell. And so mm -hmm. it does help a lot. Okay. Any other tips with regard to like, you know, any risk of disease? Do you need, do you have a fan going? Are there any things that you kind of watch out for through that? Like it's a tender time, right? Yeah. Well, I think a big thing is to make sure that people start with a good quality soilless potting mix. Mm. And so that will help with drainage. It'll also help. Um, it has some starter nutrients in there usually. And also it won't have, if you buy a good quality one, it shouldn't, shouldn't at least have diseases or pathogens in there that could, you know, ruin your seedlings. And so that's always a good place to start. And if you've had disease problems with seedlings, you should also be washing and sterilizing your trays and your cell packs before. Oh, that's a good point. That has yeah. not come up, but that is a good point. So we just, you think like a boiled hot water in a kettle kind of thing to. I've done a 10% bleach solution and I don't know if that's the best thing, but I've heard it works. Uh, and so okay. we just get a big tub and we go through, we first scrub down all the soil out of the old trays with a broom. And then we just submerge it in the uh, liquid for a few minutes and then let it dry outside on the back porch. And that's if okay. I'm not lazy and don't plant first. Um, but yes, if I'm on top yes. of my game, then that's what that's what should happen. Especially if you've yes. had problems, though. Luckily, I haven't. And so I'm not too worried mm -hmm. about that. But if you've had that before, make sure to try and prevent it from happening again. Yeah. Yeah. And I know our houseplants get um, those fungus gnats. Is that does that ever happen potentially? Or is that something you kind of look for? Yeah, that's seedlings. not something I've had on tomatoes, but I know that we have a few, we have some other Good. house plants that dad takes care of. And sometimes we get, you know, different things like fungus gnats coming around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have the sticky, my little sticky uh, traps on them there. But I, yeah. I think a lot of it is, I think the key word is the, the seedlings are being started in soilless, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And because um, I think it's where they, they want soil where they're laying the eggs. So that's good. Do you have a kind that you recommend or do you guys kind of create your own with the, the, the different? I know there's so many different recipes. Yeah, we buy ours because it's fast and it's easy and we don't really have time to it make is. our own. But I mean, if you want to do that, I think that's a great idea. And it's something I'd love to try sometime. And there are a ton of really great recipes mm -hmm. out there. There really are. But I, when I see the pictures and stuff of people doing it online, they're already doing it in there. Like I think our just with our climate being so cold still, like they're doing it in wheelbarrows and they're kind of mixing them outside. And I think it, yeah. it is much harder than well, to Well, we mix could pull on our hats and our mitts and our snow pants and we could go out there and do it. <laughs> Uh, we could. Yeah, I guess we could. So that's great. Okay. And how long do you think from those sea trays to putting them potting them back up again like do you have to do you kind of um i guess thin them out so some are kind of sacrificed yeah so when i'm planting i plant based on how many seeds i have and how old they are so if i have a whole bunch of seeds then i'll plant a couple seeds per cell uh or and that way i know that if one of them doesn't come up it's fine i have a backup and i'll just pull out the extra mm -hmm. and usually that's okay because i have a ton of tomato seed i save a lot for myself and if i'm planting tomato seed that i've bought i don't need all 20 seeds in a packet i only need a few and so i like to do that so that i don't have to replant after the fact if things don't come up and then if i know that seed is older then I'll also plant add extra seeds. So tomato seed actually lasts for a pretty long time compared to some other varieties. 
But if I know it's, you know, five or six years old, I will throw some extra tomato seeds in there just because I know that the germination rate is probably going to be lower. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So yeah, so that's good for our listeners to know that if you've got seed and sometimes people don't know how old it is, like, you know, you found it in the closet, if you're like me and not organized, um, you know, you forget how long it's been. So that might be something to consider is to plant a few more um, just to compensate for the, for maybe a weaker uh, germination. So that's, that's excellent tips. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, most seed packets actually say what year they were packed for. And so they would have been saved the year before, but I also go through with a Sharpie and I write the date that I get them on all of the seed packets. So I got some more seeds today actually, and I'm going to go through and write 2022 on all of them. So I know the year and it's easy to quickly see when I'm flipping through my box of seeds. Okay. This is when this is from this is how many Mm -hmm. I should plant. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're also like me and you rip off the wrong end, sometimes the date goes with it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes that has, that has happened where they nice kindly put that date up at the top. And if you've ripped open the package, you've taken the date off. So that is a great idea. Um, So I'm like the worst case scenario and you're the best case scenario for organization. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm not the most organized person, but I do try. That's good. Well, I think you have a system and because it's, it, this is your passion too, you figured out ways to make it happen. So I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, can we talk a little bit about the, um, maybe the determinant? I always struggle with this variety. I did try to grow them last year of cherry tomatoes, um, but I did struggle. So, um, so yeah. So do you have any, t- like, do you grow a lot of that variety or do you um, so like determinate tomatoes? Determinate tomatoes. Okay. So determinate actually isn't a specific variety, but it's a whole growth habit of tomatoes. Okay. So when you have tomatoes, I think there's four main growth habits. You have micro dwarf, which are like uh, those really tiny tomato plants. A well-known one is tiny Tim and they will, you know, they'll stay less than a foot tall and you shouldn't prune those. And then okay. the next step up, you have dwarf tomatoes and they can get anywhere from two and a half to five feet tall. And they're very stocky plants. And they produce like indeterminate tomatoes. So they produce throughout the entire growing season continually. And they also shouldn't be pruned. So if you don't like tomato pruning or you don't want to do that, that is a great choice. And then the next step up from that is determinate tomatoes. And those are the ones that are usually four to five feet tall. And the the thing that really sets them apart is that they only get that tall. And also the fact that they will produce all of their tomatoes within a shorter time frame. So usually about two weeks. And so that's why a lot of the paste tomatoes are in our determinate varieties is so that they will produce all those tomatoes for, let's say, canning or making sauce within those two weeks. But then after that, the plants are pretty much done. So those are your oh. determinates. And then on top of that is the indeterminates that I think everyone knows a little bit better and those are the plants that will keep growing and growing like crazy they can get to be up to six or seven feet tall sometimes Mm -hmm. and they just continually produce a lot over the whole growing season okay so thank you that that helps me i've been taking notes so i hope everybody else is too so yeah so i think i did the indeterminate but i've got to look they're harder to find i usually purchase my plants i have to admit because um my family aren't tomato fans unfortunately i am i was mentioning before the show that we're we're, i'm starting to convert them with uh, grape tomatoes or cherry tomatoes that are grilled or baked um and they're coming around Um, But raw tomatoes is is not a hit in my house, unfortunately. Um, So I've always just bought the plants. But finding plants, micro or dwarf, I find very hard. 
Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say is I don't think you shouldn't be ashamed of buying tomato plants because, I mean, I love tomatoes, so I grow hundreds yeah. of tomato seedlings from seed. But, you know, as gardeners, we do what we can. And sometimes I buy seed, I buy seedlings, too. And so, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people do just because they love it. So if you don't want to grow them from seed, that's fine. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. <laughs> anyone out there listing. And then also... Right on micro dwarf and dwarf tomatoes that's right that you don't see a lot of them at garden center so if you want them you should be talking to the, if you know the people who run there run the center or work there say hey i'd love some dwarf tomatoes um and also one other thing to add is that the dwarf tomato breeding project has been going on since 2005 i think and they've released over 50 dwarf tomato varieties so before that there weren't very many but now there are quite a few and there's some really neat ones that have been selected for, you know, neat colors, amazing flavor. Mm -hmm. And so if you do want to grow some dwarf tomatoes and you can't find them at the garden center, uh, look online for seeds because there are quite a few really good ones out there. Excellent. Excellent. And you're right. Somebody else might be growing them too and doing a bit of a trade. You grow, you start them and you grow them and sell them as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I sell tomato seedlings every spring because I need to grow extras for myself. So if something happens to this one plant that I have, because I can only fit about one plant of every variety in my yard. So I want to have backups in case something happens. But uh, I also sell them and you go, I got to pay off the amount of money I spend on tomato seeds somehow. That's right. That is right. Yeah, I mean, and it's true. And not everybody has the space or the time to to um, start seeds. Um, I've always be, I've started them in the last couple of years, and I'm always a little bit um, ambitious. And because I'm a landscape designer, I get easily distracted with because my season starts, and so then I forget about them. So uh, so that's you know why I've always kind of been nervous about starting them because um, I don't want to waste waste it. But um, so yeah, so buying the seedlings is um, is also a great idea. And I think looking at other sources, not just your local garden centers, um, you know, talking to other gardeners and see what what they're growing and and things like that to help you find some of these um, more unique varieties. Yeah. So well, I think uh, we have got a few questions, Gary. Yes, we do have a few we questions. Do have a few you questions for you. Let me read some of those. Okay. Okay. Uh, John wrote in at the beginning of the show and he says, Oh my gosh, two of my favorite radio shows. <laughs> Hi to Emma and hello to Joanne. And he's listening from Richmond Hill, Ontario. So thank nice. you very much. Uh, thank you, John. Thanks, yeah. John. Laura wrote in. She says, Hi, is it too early to start tomato plants? That is a great question. So the first thing to think about is where do you live? Here in Toronto, um, it is the perfect time to plant your tomatoes. I'm going to be planting mine this week. But if you don't live in Toronto, um, go to Google, look up what your average last frost date is, and then count back six to eight weeks before that date. And that is when you should be planting your tomatoes. Great answer. Laura, we hope that helps, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Uh, let's see. Pam wrote in. She says... Dozy here. Emma is amazing. She is only 16 years old. <laughs> Such knowledge. That's from Dozy or Pam. Thank okay. you. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I believe Ruth wrote in. Hi, Emma. Why would someone buy seeds if they can use their seeds from the tomatoes that they buy and eat? I'm just very, I'm curious about this. Thank you. Um... So I think what she means is why would you, 
let's see. I'm not totally clear on the question. I'm guessing that you mean maybe why would you save seeds if you could eat those tomatoes? Is I think what way? she means is um, if you can take the seeds from the tomatoes you purchase, regardless if you eat the tomato or not, can yeah. you use those seeds? So why go out and buy them if we can just use those seeds to plant? Like that from the grocery actually, store. That yeah. is a great question. So a few things to consider here. Um, but the first thing is it depends how much you care about tomato varieties. So a lot of the tomatoes that you're going to find in the supermarket are varieties that are known to do really well wherever they were grown, which is, you know, at this time of year, probably in a greenhouse, probably somewhere, definitely somewhere farther south than Ontario. <laughs> and uh, they're probably hybrid varieties too, because they tend to perform better uh and if you grow out a hybrid variety, you're not going to get the same thing as the tomato that that seed came from. And so if you're growing seed that you save from a tomato to grocery store, it's, you know, it is going to grow and you are going to have plants from that. But you really don't know what you're going to get. It could be turn out to be a fantastic, you know, tomato variety. It could also not do very well in your garden. And so by buying seeds from a seed company, you can actually choose which variety um, you want to grow and you can choose varieties based on what type of tomato you want to grow. So you actually know what you're going to get. You know if you want a dwarf tomato variety that you know is perfect if you're growing in containers, you buy those seeds and you know that's what you're going to get. If you want an orange tomato, you know that's what you're going to get. But if you mm -hmm. save it from the grocery store, um, you can totally do that. But it's just kind of a mystery about how those tomatoes are going to turn out. Good answer. Mm, great yeah. answer. Yeah. Really good answer. If I may give out the email address one more time, folks, if you're just tuning in, which I see you are, uh, the name of the show is Down the Garden Path with Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Tonight's special guest is Emma Biggs, a tomato expert. And our email address, if you'd like to have a question for Joanne or Emma, is instudio101 at gmail.com. Back to you, Joanne. Excellent. Thanks, Gary. And we're hoping that Matt's class will wrap up so that he can join us. But in the meantime, I'm loving joining. I'm loving uh, chatting tomatoes with Emma. So that is great. So I'm very excited. So micro dwarf determinant and indeterminant. Yeah. Excellent. Now, do you have a, of those growth habits? Do you have a favorite or do you grow more of one than the other? Yeah, well, because uh, of where I grow in my Toronto backyard, uh, I do grow mostly in the ground, though, so I have space for indeterminate tomatoes. And so I have a special trellising system that I have set up so that I can grow all those varieties in a small space. Um, and so indeterminate tomatoes are mostly what I grow. But, you know, if you have containers, look for those micro dwarf or those dwarf varieties because, you know, you won't have to worry about uh, indeterminate tomato plants taking over your entire growing space. Yeah, absolutely. And another uh, reason for also um, buying the seeds, I think, because I, because like I mentioned, I often will buy the seedlings and I did have two years in a row because, you know, those, those little cell packs in the garden centers do their best, but sometimes things have the wrong tags. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a couple of years in a row where I thought I was buying a, my, you know, a, a small cherry tomato plant or, you know, and um, it was not, it was a large beefsteak plant, you know, so sometimes things like that happen you know everybody sees those tags all laying all over the place at garden centers and grocery because because I think so many you can pick them up so many places right big box stores as well as uh 
um, you know, grocery stores even in their garden centers. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that if you really want to make sure you have the right variety, um, really purchasing seeds is, is definitely a good, uh, a good idea. And we're excited to, we were just talking about you, Matt. So welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Joanne. Hello, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, hello. <laughs> We've waited a long time and I see lots of questions pouring in. Yeah, everyone's yeah. so excited. Yeah, so Gary read a bunch of them for us. So that's good. Um, so I'll let you know where we are next. Um, and uh, Emma's just gone through the growth habits, uh, the four different growth habits of uh, of the tomatoes. Um, because I mean, because when you say, so it's growth habits, is that the proper wording? Growth habits and then tomato varieties. Yeah. So growth habits is basically how that plant wants to grow, whether it wants to stay, stay small or whether it's going to get bigger. And then varieties is like a specific cultivar of tomato. So, you know, a Paul Robeson tomato or a Sun Gold tomato. It's those very specific varieties. Okay. Okay. Well, that is good. Um, so... What is the next step? So we started them from seed and uh, you've now kind of um, you've um, um, increased them, put them in a larger pot size. So you've mm -hmm. kind of had to edit them a little bit. Um, yeah. Does so the light change? Does the water change? Well, I find for myself at the point when I've moved them from, I have about three plug trays filled with tomatoes, three or four. And so then when I move them into bigger pots, the problem is where am I going to put, you know, hundreds of three inch pots because I don't have that much space. And so the big thing that changes is me needing to find more light. And so what I do about that is I am carefully watching the weather. And then when the time comes, I harden off my tomatoes, which basically means letting them get used to that, you know, the what it's like living outside compared to, you know, in your basement under grow lights, because there is a very big difference. And then I put them into cold frames. Uh, well, so after the hardening off, they go into cold frames in my backyard. Okay. And so for listeners who don't know, cold frames are basically bottomless boxes. Ours are made out of wood at the side, and then they have a clear polycarbonate top. And what it does is it acts like a greenhouse. It captures that heat and it stays warmer in there. So I put my tomato seedlings into these cold frames so that they get a whole bunch of really great natural light, but because I don't have space for them inside anymore. Okay. Wow. So that's good. And how long do you leave them in the cold frames just until the temperatures are ready to move on from there or? Yeah, it really just depends on mother nature and how, you know, how early right. will she let me put them in there. And it's often at least a few times, I think, as she likes to make me run around that I put them <laughs> out there and the weather's looking great. And then we get a cold snap and I have to, you know, carry 50 trays of seedlings back inside and <sighs> I carry them back out the next morning. It's, uh, you know, not my favorite task in the world, right. but after we've kind of reached a stable, you know, temperature where they can safely live in the cold frames, uh, I leave them there until about mid-May and then I carefully watch the weather. But if it looks good, they go into the ground. And what is that stable temperature that you're, if people want to try them or have a grow frame, what temperature do we want in that grow frame to kind of leave them be there? Yeah, so tomatoes tend to, you shouldn't put them outside if the temperatures are really below about 15 or 16 degrees Celsius. Uh, that's what I've heard at least. I haven't tested uh, any lower than that because I don't really want to find out what happens yeah. with my tomato mm -hmm. seedlings. If anyone else yeah. wants to try that out, feel yeah. free. You just let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But 
what I do is I take a thermometer, uh, one of those min-max thermometers, and I put them in the cold frames, and I just see how that reads, and I try it over a few different nights and see, you know, how much warmer is it in the cold frames compared to outside, and I can check that when I get up in the morning, and so after I see that, I see, oh, it's a few degrees warmer, and so I know when it's, you know, maybe 12 or 13 degrees at night, I can put my tomatoes in there. Very nice, very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hardening off can be, you know, can be the more challenging, almost more challenging than the seed starting, right? Yeah. And I think it's because it's, you know, it's not really a science. I think of it as an art, at least, because you have to mm-hmm. say, okay, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a cloudy day. It's not too windy. There's no crazy rain out there. I think I'm just going to put these seedlings in a protected area for a few hours and see how they do. And if the next day it's sunny, you know, maybe I won't take them out. Maybe you'll put them in the shade. And it's kind of just something you get a feel for over Mm -hmm. time. Just, you know, what do I think my seedlings can handle at this stage um, until they're ready to take on all of whatever mother nature throws at them? Very cool. Well, we're going to we have another listener, good listener question. I think part of the conversation I, I just missed, uh, but I'm going to just jump in quickly uh, and do my little bit that says thank you, everybody, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests like the wonderful Emma Biggs, who is joining us this evening talking all about uh, tomatoes. So don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast you can also find us on your favorite podcast provider and while you're there please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content and don't forget to like and share and leave us a comment we love hearing from you our listeners and whenever you're off the air you can always reach us here at in studio 101 at gmail.com so we do have another listener question um Tim is written in. Tim says, hi, are there any recipes from Emma for tomato sauce posted anywhere? So now my stomach's wondering, what did I miss? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, But the thing is, my dad actually makes most of the tomato sauce. So I grow all the tomatoes, I harvest them, I pick them, do all the photos and seed saving, and then I hand them off to him and he makes a pretty awesome tomato sauce. And I don't actually think he follows a recipe, though. It's kind of just, oh, I feel like throwing in some of this tonight and some of this. And so it changes throughout the whole growing season. Excellent. Excellent. Tim, you kind of trumped our question because I had actual, um, what do you do with all those tomatoes? So that was one of our next questions. Um, So, yeah, you must, I mean, you can't just do tomato sauce, though, either. Yeah, well, we do a lot of tomato sauce. We also love tomato salad. So like a caprese salad, so fresh sliced tomatoes Mm -hmm. with Um, basil don't attack me for saying basil (laughs) Um, you know some uh, bocaccini cheese and some uh, balsamic vinegar olive oil salt and pepper I love that some days I'll eat that for breakfast it's great and you know tomato sandwiches so and even just snacking on them out of the garden we eat a lot of tomatoes in the summer I bet you do do you are you really good about cleaning up the garden or and ha- not having like seedlings kind of pop up? 
Um, I'm okay at it. I think for yeah. tomatoes, I want to pick them all because I want to eat them all. I want to save seeds from them all, get photos. So tomatoes, tomatoes are something that they don't really come up on their own in my garden. Other than some of those current and or small cherry tomato types that kind of self-seed everywhere because they just drop and they, you know, you have yeah. them for five years afterwards. But other than that, I'm pretty good on that yes. front. Okay. And we talked a bit about the um, insects and pests and, and possible diseases when they're seedlings. What about outside? Because you really do need to stay vigilant outside as well. Um, once they're growing through their growing season to kind of conquer or deal with different types of pests and diseases there. Yeah, well, that's a really big topic to cover. But a few of my top tips mm -hmm. for pests, um, one thing I could just recommend is grow more plants than you need. So if you think you're going to eat uh, all the tomatoes off two tomato plants, grow three tomato plants because it's inevitable that, you know, the squirrels are going to come along and eat a few and the slugs are going to take their share and probably a few other critters in your backyard too. So just grow a few more than you think you need. And worst comes to worst, you have too many tomatoes, even though I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> and you can always, you know, store them for later, give them to your neighbors. And so start off with some extra plants and then try to prevent pests if you can. The One of the best things I've found for slugs is actually to go and handpick slugs out of your garden in the spring. And that really reduces the population later on. And then on to disease, the first thing you should try to do is prevent it. So for tomatoes, mm -hmm. you don't want to get the foliage wet. Always water at the base of the plant, water earlier in the day. And then if you do have um, disease problems, you should um, be, you know, cutting off that disease. And if the plant isn't salvageable, pull it out so it doesn't infect the rest of your plants. Mm -hmm. And then I think a main thing that I did forget to mention is that you should prune off a few of the bottom leaves of your tomato plants when they get to be a good size, probably in July, prune off the bottom three or four leaves up as far up as the first fruit. And that'll just prevent some of any disease that is lurking below the tomato plant from getting up onto the foliage. Good tips. Good tips. Yeah. So I was going to say, I do the same thing. Um, and it's probably right about the time, as you said, like in July, I'll cut up like the first foot, foot and a half or just below or at that first fruit. I usually don't go quite that high, but I, the, on the balcony uh, but yeah I found that yeah it, you don't get that splash and that disease or uh, little critters crawling up from the soil onto the leaf and but yeah I love that tip yeah it makes a really big difference yeah so, well, so you fertilizers sorry I was mm. going to ask about fertilizers or yeah. nutrients to make sure so obviously you must start with a, a good base right a good soil that you're planting in and then do you do any extra additional um treatments over the season. Yeah, so we just use a basic all-purpose fertilizer and I if I'm on top of my game, I will apply that every 2 weeks. Um usually it's a bit less than that, but you know, <laughs> especially if you're growing in containers, that's really important to be on top of doing it every one or 2 weeks. If you're in the ground, you know, just try to stay on top of it if you can. It is still important. But yeah, just for people out there, just look for a nice all-purpose um, fertilizer to use for your tomatoes. So as you say, all purpose, you're kind of just like a, just a general 20, 20, 20, yeah. whatever brand name that you enjoy. Yeah. Just keep it simple. Right. And so are you going to be, we're going to use it every two weeks until basically we're done with that tomato plant. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. 
If I you love were start- how you keep it simple. She really keeps it simple. Like we talked about potting soil. We talked about a few things and really Perfect. keeping it simple. Yeah, I mean, it's gardening is something I love and I don't particularly love the weeding. I don't love the fertilizing. The part that I love is, you know, the harvesting, the actual planting. Mm-hmm. So if I can keep the other things simple, like what I decide to use as potting mix or what I decide to use as fertilizer, instead of doing a ton of hours of research, I can just say, hey, this this works really well. Um, let me focus on harvesting those tomatoes. Yeah, for sure. More time spent enjoying what you do. Yeah. So I don't know if um, I've joined the conversation late, obviously, and I don't know if you've touched on it, but we've got um, Beth writing in and asking where your book might be available. Well, thank you for asking. Um, You can find my book wherever books are sold, so on both online and in-person stores. And actually, um, my dad and I just put up an offer on his website where you can get a copy of my book, um, Gardening with Emma, the book that we co-wrote together previously and self-published called Grow Gardeners, and a few packets of my seeds that I'm selling on his website at a special deal. So if you do want all of the bonuses included, you can go to my dad's website, stephenbiggs.ca. Excellent. yeah, that led me into another question. As you're talking about saving all of these seeds, do you have you guys? Do you guys sell any seeds? Do you sell any of your seeds that you collect? Have I already asking a question? Yeah, I do. I sell a whole bunch of tomato seeds. I think I have maybe thirty varieties on my website right mm-hmm. now. Um, all of them were saved from my garden last summer. And so I packaged them up and I've done germination tests to make sure that they are actually going to germinate if you buy them. And so if you're interested, you can find them on my website, emmabigs.ca. Very cool. So all these cool varieties that I'm sure you guys were talking about. Yeah, there's not a lot of, you know, normal red tomatoes on there. There's a lot of purple tomatoes and striped tomatoes and yellow tomatoes. There's some really fantastic ones on there that I love. Oh, that's good. Do you have, so what is your favorite that you think everybody should try? I don't think I could choose a favorite. Oh, it's like you're (laughs) asking your favorite child, right? Yeah, I couldn't do that. (laughs) You're not a mother yet, but I'm sure if you asked your mother that, how would she pick her favorite? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good ones out there and it's also such a personal thing, right? I prefer a sweeter, fruitier tomato. Some people perform a more acidic tomato or a milder tomato. Um, but there are a few that I, you know, I love more than the others. I love one called Paul Robeson and it's a nice large beefsteak tomato and it's like a brick red, purple brown color. And the flavor is just Ooh. phenomenal. I love it. Um, another good one is called Pantano Romanesco and it's a nice medium sized red beefsteak that's flattened. Also a really amazing flavor, rich, sweet. It's so delicious. And then on the cherry side of things, I discovered Rosella last year, which is a little purple cherry tomato. It's very similar to black cherry, which is well known, um, except I found it to be a bit more productive and even sweeter. And then one last of my favorites is a variety called Sunrise Bumblebee, and it's a medium-sized cherry tomato, and it's very productive, very disease-resistant, sweet, fruity, and the fruit are red and yellow-striped, and they're just beautiful. Oh, wow. That's very cool. That's very cool. I, I've got to love the names, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Some of those names, Rosella and uh, Sunrise Bumblebee, Bumbleberry, right? Bumblebee. Oh, it's Bumblebee. Oh my goodness. Okay. 
But who knows? Maybe there is a bubbleberry out there. Yeah, I know. There's I... just so many varieties. You never know. That's right. That's right. And we will definitely have uh, mentioned many of those on the uh, in the show notes, as well as links to um, the books and uh, and your dad's website. So that is perfect. And your show airs here on Reality Radio. Uh, on when does it air next? It's first Wednesday of the month um, at from 2 to 3 p.m. And I'm not sure what day that is. Okay. Um, it's coming up, though. Let me just double check. It it's the first Wednesday up. of each month. Yes. So April 6th this month. Okay. April 6th from 2 to 3 p.m. Excellent. Excellent. That's Ooh. great. Um, so in addition, so do you just grow tomatoes? So I, I you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are there other uh, vegetables that you also kind of dabble in a little bit? I think I grow a little bit of everything. And okay. what I'm really drawn to is the weird stuff. So, you know, I grow cucumbers, but I like to grow the unusual cucumber varieties and, you know, unusual carrot varieties and peppers. I've somehow ended up with 31 pepper varieties growing in my basement currently. <laughs> um, the next step is figuring out where I'm going to put them. I'm really not sure because I don't think I can fit that many in my backyard. Yeah. But I really love just to grow the unusual things and grow a little bit of everything. Excellent. Is there one or two like cool, unusual things you've started this year that you're like especially excited to see and try out? Oh, like, there's is there so a specific many. pepper? I know it's such a big question for you. <laughs> well, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is I'm actually trying to grow ginger this year. And I've never done it before, but I have seen some other northern gardeners do it. And mm -hmm. so about more than a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I soaked my ginger overnight and then I planted it and I put it in the tray. And only like a week ago, it sprouted because it is so slow. And I, you know, mm -hmm. it almost lost hope. I was like, is it ever going to come up? Am I going to be able to grow ginger? But it did. And now the shoots are a couple inches high. And I'm, I'm very excited for that because I love ginger. And I think that's just something fun. And so that, of course, and then I got some really fun peppers. Um, of course, I can't think of any off the top of my head when you ask <laughs> okay. me that. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many fun things I'm excited for. Tomatoes, of course. I recently got even more tomato seeds in the mail and you just need to figure out which ones are going to make it into the garden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have a, a, a question just from a, a listener. Sorry, I almost said guest. Uh, Brad has written in, says, hello, folks. Should all tomato plants be staked? That is a great question. Um, so I think the one thing I'd recommend is that everyone should um, hold their tomato plants upright. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Train. They should train their tomato plants in okay. some way. So a stake is one way to do that. You can, you know, as your tomato grows, you can tie it up to a stake and prune it. You can also use cages. You can use trellising. You can grow them up twine. So you should choose some sort of method to hold your tomato plants up off the ground. And that's because, you know, that puts them farther away from any, you know, mm -hmm. disease that's possibly in the soil, from any slugs that are crawling around on the ground. They might get up to your tomatoes, but probably less than if your tomato plants were just laying across the ground. So definitely I would recommend that you use something to support your tomato plants. Yeah, Very in cool. my experience, the, 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 I know the tomato cages, everybody thinks of the tomato cage, but my experience for a, many varieties, they're almost too small. Yeah, well, 
I I kind of find it funny when you go into like a Home Depot or something and you see, you know, tomato cages and they're just these tiny, <laughs> puny little things. Yeah. You know, they may be good for a micro dwarf or a dwarf tomato, but you don't see a lot of those tomato plants around. They are no good for really a determinate or an indeterminate tomato plant. So if you want to grow in cages, you need to get, you know, big, t- big tomato cages that are going to be as tall as your plant's going to get. So you need five foot... F- five foot tall tomato cages, not two foot tall tomato cages. So just Mm -hmm. when you're choosing a variety, whether it's from seeds or you're buying plants, know how big that's going to get and choose a cage or a stake or whatever your method is that that is actually tall enough for that plant. Mm -hmm. And I would say start early because I think I've been, you know, I'm sure we've all been there, right? Having like kind of a, 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 a tomato plant that's taken off and now we're trying to put the, the cage over (laughs) it or the stake around it or this twine, you know, so much like peonies when you're growing peonies, right? You want to get the cage on it, even though they might be teeny tiny plants, start off with the stake and start off with the cage. Um, uh, My neighbor taught me a trick last year because I had that, that, indeterminate one that just kind of took off. So I actually had tomato cages and I, I put one in the ground and then upside down, I attached like this. So the two rings and I kind of zip tied the two rings together. So they sat as a frame. Of course, I waited till the plant was too big. So that's why I spoke about that last point. Um, And then that kind of, it got me the four feet right? As opposed to the two feet, but the plant still, you know, still surpassed that. So I've got to solve that for next, next year, this growing season. Um, But, uh, but, you know, it did work. So I think that was something, you know, to think about that if, especially if you, because I find they sell them in those big packages of, if you've got a lot of tomato, you've got tomato cages, you usually have a lot of them, right? And, and so you might as well double, if doubling up on each plant is, is kind of one way to go. So I don't know if that you've got any other staking to tricks but that was mine um yeah. yeah well I definitely just say use what you have so if you have some old you know pieces of scrap wood in your backyard you can use the mistakes if you have stakes that you've been using for some other plant you can use that mm-hmm. even if you're growing your tomato plant right beside a deck and you can tie that tomato plant up to the deck that will work mm-hmm. so you know there are some things that might work better than others if you buy a nice cage or a stake it's helpful but if you don't have anything or you can't find anything just use what you have and it's better than leaving your tomato plant just uh, sprawling across the ground. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So I did see a magazine because I'm always looking for like the pretty way to, to grow things too. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and an arbor. So that was one for determinate indeterminate. I always get that mixed up. Emma. Um, tomatoes was an arbor. And then, so that could be in the garden. Cause I have a very narrow garden up against a fence. So I kind of said to my son who helps me with my vegetable garden, wonder if this would work. Um, so that's something, but you know, that the arbor has to be small. It can't be super wide. And I think that's harder to find as well. So, so that could be something um, to consider. Um, And even if you're growing in a container, they often still need staking, don't they? Yeah. So it depends what type of tomato, again, you're growing in containers, going back to what we mentioned a while ago, if you're growing an indeterminate tomato, they can be growing, grown in containers, just make sure your container is big enough. And uh, definitely make sure that you're staking your tomatoes and you're pruning your tomatoes. Uh, Same with determinate tomatoes. But if you're growing a uh, dwarf tomato, you don't need to prune. But I would recommend that you do put in a stake or just something to help keep it upright because it will be very stocky, very bushy. But you just want to make sure that it doesn't just like flop over one day in a windstorm. Mm -hmm. And so having that extra support there is always a good call. Good call. Very nice. 
Very cool. Yeah, I always grow in indeterminate on my balcony. And I've got like a 25 liter nursery tree pot and uh, put uh, some potting mix and, and enrich it with some compost. And then I have an eight foot uh, stake that nearly goes up to the balcony above me. And I use oh, a little nice. Velcro tape and, and go it all up. And so you just drive by and there's this big tomato hanging over the balcony right in the corner, kind of shading everything. So yeah, awesome. it's well, definitely that sounds like that tomato plant will be pretty happy. Yeah, I usually get it. I usually grow a ch- cherry. She usually will hit about that six to seven foot mark Ooh. every every year. So I usually almost run out of steak. But that's good. Yeah, definitely fun and doable, especially in uh, narrow spaces like that balcony. Um, mm-hmm. A nice tall tomato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and as we know, most vegetables require, vegetable gardens require full sun and tomatoes also really require full sun, don't they? Yeah, they do. So you want six to eight hours of sun. Uh, the more the merrier. Um, I mean, you can always grow tomatoes with less. You don't need a really big pot. You don't need to do all these things. But you'll really see the difference if you give them all those perfect ideal conditions. If you mm-hmm. give them that full sun and that extra big pot and you fertilize them every two weeks, they will do so much better. And you'll really see the difference in how they how they do over the summer. Yeah. Very cool. Are there any that tolerate more like almost partial to bright indirect light i always you always get that kind of that person asking well i don't really have enough sun i don't think that's a good question so i don't know anything about specific varieties that don't need that full sun but what i would say is if you don't have that full sun it's still worth a try right if you really want those tomatoes go for it we grew tomatoes and straw bales on our driveway for many years and you know they did they did okay we got tomatoes but we stopped because first of all it was a lot of work but also they didn't get you know quite as much sun as our other tomatoes and they didn't do quite as well so if you don't have that six to eight hours you can still get tomatoes they just won't do quite as well and then one other tip on that front is maybe try to grow an earlier tomato variety. So one that matures in, let's say, 60 or 65 days and will start producing tomatoes at that point rather than like 85 or 90 days. And you're more likely to get lots of tomatoes. Ooh, good tip. That is a good tip. Did we reach through all of our questions that we had for for Emma this evening? We did, and we're waiting for some, so if listeners have any more questions for us, I know, we, we got, there's almost so much to talk about, and I think people this time of year are all like frantically writing everything down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is good. Um, do you, I have a question about blossom and rot. So I know mm-hmm. you had mentioned pruning the bottom. Um, is there any, have you ever run into that issue? Have you? Unfortunately, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people run into. And so for people who aren't familiar, blossom end rot is when the bottom of your tomato just rots. It's it's that simple. It's easy to see. A lot of people don't know what it is. But if you've had that problem, that is most likely what it is. And it happens because actually of a calcium deficiency. But... It's the often causes that a tomato plant hasn't had a consistent supply of water and so it can't actually get to that calcium. So the way that I solve that is by um, making sub-irrigation containers. And so the idea of that for people who haven't heard of it is there's a reservoir in the bottom of your container 
and then you have uh, some type of barrier between that something like a landscape fabric and then you put your soilless potting mix on the top and so you fill up the bottom uh, reservoir area through a fill tube and then that water will that gathers at the bottom will wick up through the soil and it'll give your plants a constant supply of water and so because they have that con constant supply of water you won't have blossom end rot anymore Ooh. yeah that's a great tip yeah. yeah, well, we were having a lot of problems with that on our grudge rooftop, and it was worse than it normally would be because it gets so hot up there and everything dries mm -hmm. out so fast, and I also don't want to water twice a day. And so mm -hmm. we made these containers, um, and you can buy them too. The only thing is they're, they can be expensive. You know, you can pay 60 or 70 bucks for one of these containers, but we built all of ours, and they're nice and big for under 20 bucks each. So you can do that pretty easily, and it's a fun task, especially at this time of year if you're looking to do something before you can do a lot of that planting. And then also on another note is we built wicking beds in the back of our yard, which are basically sub-irrigation containers except at a raised bed scale. So all the components are the same except they're raised beds with a reservoir in the bottom and a fill tube. And we just stick the hose in the fill tube, fill up the bottom for, you know, 20 minutes, and then the water wicks up through the soil. So it's exactly the same concept um, except taken to the next step bigger. Yeah. So what do you use, like plastic piping or what What are you using as a fill tube? Yeah, so we have some plastic uh, tubing as a fill tube. And so just to go over the basic design of our waking beds is we built uh, these, basically start with a raised bed. So whatever you want to build that out of, ours are made out of cedar logs. And then we, in the bottom, we put some pool liner to hold that water in the bottom. And then on top of that, we put some uh, perforated tubing. And then on top of that, some gravel and landscape fabric. And that is what the reservoir is. That's what holds all of that water. And then you put your soil on top of that. Uh, soilless potting mix tends to be better at wicking the water up through the container. And so that fill tube then extends from above the soil level where you can see it all the way through your soil down into the reservoir in the bottom so that when you stick your watering can or your hose in there, it just fills up the bottom of the container. And then slowly that water will wick up and your plants stay nice and happy. They certainly do. And you avoid the disease of getting your, you know, the foliage wet and all of that. So it's kind of got a multi, mm. yeah. a multi positive uh, strategy there. Exactly. It's perfect for that. And on that topic, I just thought of something else, which is mulching your plants. And uh -huh. that really helps too for preventing disease. So whatever you have around is great for mulching. Okay. So regular, um, like cedar mulch or pine. Yeah. I know you could do straw. Yeah, you can use straw, something that we tend to have a lot of because my dad uses straw to mulch his fig trees in the winter. So we just take some of that after at the end of the year and use it to mulch tomatoes. You can use um, wood chips. You can use uh, biodegradable plastic mulch or reusable plastic mulch. And you can use glass, uh, grass clippings, not glass. Don't don't go that <laughs> route. Glass, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's tons of options out there for what you can use. Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's something that we've I've forgotten about that I haven't really done a lot of mulching as much as I mulch my ornamental beds, I'm not mulching my vegetable beds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think another bonus in there is for anyone else who is not a huge fan of weeding, then the mulch can help suppress mm -hmm. weeds. And so if you don't want to spend hours on end weeding, um, just put down a nice layer of mulch and that shouldn't be as much of a problem. Mm hmm. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, I used to always use that nice cocoa shell mulch before it was discontinued. Yeah, that nice warm chocolatey smell. <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. So we're reaching the end. Um, time has is seems like it's flying by. All of our listeners asking great questions. Um, why don't we just go over quickly before we have to wrap up for the night? Uh, what can we find of yours and where you're a blogger, an author, a grower, you're selling seeds? Where can our listeners get their Emma Biggs fix and uh, pick up some great merchandise of yours? Well, thank you. Um, you can find me on my website, emmabiggs.ca. And I am currently selling tomato seeds that I saved from my garden last year. So you can find those. You can find a copy of my book. You can also find a good deal on a copy of both of my books and tomato seeds on my dad's website, stephenbiggs.ca. And uh, I'm not blogging a lot, but you can, I do have a blog on my website. You can also contact me if you have any questions uh, through my website. I have a contact page. And then I try to up be a little bit more try to update my Instagram page a little bit more than my mm. website so if you want to know what I'm doing right now you can find me on Instagram at Emma Biggs underscore grows excellent excellent and I did want to say that um, and so if you also said you grew seedlings too for sale so would that be also on your website later on in the season yeah thanks for bringing that up so i do sell seedlings in the spring so around mid-may i'll start and so if you're in the toronto area or you're happy to drive into toronto you can always reach out to me uh, through my website and just let me know that you're interested and around that time i'll be letting people know hey i have seedlings for sale what do you want perfect that's good so yes everybody we can let emma do the hard work on the seed <laughs> seed starting and uh and uh, the uh hardening off part which can <laughs> be challenging especially with our ontario weather right it's so unpredictable from day to yeah. day oh mm -hmm. my goodness oh my goodness so yeah, so sure. i'm so excited i love edible this is kind of what we do a theme each month and so this is our edible month um so it was perfect to to uh wasn't it mad to touch to get emma and to talk uh, do a deep dive on just tomatoes i think that's excited and you've inspired me and i'm sure you've inspired other listeners as well uh to try new varieties so that's your your i think your motto right is tr try something different and interesting yeah, well, I mean, that's what excites me. I love going through the seed catalogs and looking for fun fun and weird ones. I love swapping seeds with people and it is that seed swap season. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just get out there, try a new tomato, try a purple tomato. And I ho hope everyone has a fantastic and tomato full growing season. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think that brings us to the end of another episode here on Down the Garden Path. Like you mentioned, we're talking all about edibles this month. And uh, thank you so much, Emma, for being able to join us here. We were so excited to have you on the show. We wanted to have you on for a while. So thank you for talking all about tomatoes. Thank you, everyone who tuned in and joined us live this evening. Thank you for those who are listening on their downloaded podcast. And we hope uh, you'll join us next week as we continue our look at uh, everything edible this March here on Down the Garden Path, live on Reality Radio 101. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw, and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.